Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, it, on the list of things that the world really needed, uh, I feel like another football show is probably pretty low on the list. Uh, I feel like we've got quite a few. Um, but I've also learned that things are just, it's okay to do things just for fun, you know? So uh, here I am, and I'm going to do a show for fun, uh, mostly as an excuse to just talk to a bunch of people who know way more about football than I do uh, and hope that you will enjoy it uh, and come along for the ride. I'm Luke Easterling. Uh, if you're here, maybe you've seen my work on DraftWire and the Bucks Wire with USA Today, SMG. Um, if there's another outlet that exists that writes about football, chances are I probably had a cup of coffee there as well. Um, and I don't know, man, it's just going to be fun to talk some football. Uh, I figured there's only really one way that I would start a show, and that's to just rope uh, one of my closest friends in to do it with me, because that's what you do uh, when you do these types of things. So uh, we're going to bring in uh, a guy that, again, I've had a cup of coffee at a bunch of different places. Uh, half of those places, I've had the uh, the pleasure and the opportunity, not sure if he would call it that, uh, the ability to, to work with this guy. Uh, he is now the owner of Bears Talk, uh, one of the best uh, places to find your Chicago Bears news, if that's what you're into. Uh, and that's why he's here to discuss some quarterbacks with us. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Brian Perez from Bears Talk. What's going Luke, on, what's, man? What's going on, Luke? I, I I don't know why you chose me to be the first guest of that one football show, but I'm honored to privilege, and, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you, my friend. I mean, you're you're that one guest now. That's how it is. That's right. I will always Number be the one. first. <laughs> I'll always, be the, always first. be the first. Dude, I gotta I gotta I gotta be honest. You were the one that kind of tipped me off with the whole eight bit thing, right? You and I have been kicking around. I was throwing you some ideas. I was showing you some of this stuff as I was, I was, I was putting this together and, uh, and it just kind of clicked, right? We had that eight bit music. It, th- it throws us all back to, uh, to being kids and in, in those early days of football video games, man, what was, what was your intro to like football video game? It was like the first game you remember playing with that sound. Yeah. Listen, I might be dating myself, but there was nothing better than tech mobile. And then the reboot of uh, super tech mobile or Tecmo super bowl. I don't know where the super came in the lineage of the words there, but um, what's great now is how things come full circle. It's just like the NFL, right? It's a cyclical game where we're going to start slowly seeing the return of like the power running game in the league after all these years of high-flying passing offenses. Video games somehow are, are, are matching that too. My sons, I have a 13-year-old and a 10, soon-to-be-11-year-old, 
and they're now playing this new game that's like the craze of iPhone, the i uh, iPads and iPhones. It's called Retro Bowl. It's literally I, a oh yeah, I have it. I play bowl. it. It's fantastic. So it's amazing. So the eight bit has withstood the test of time, and hopefully it'll do the same for your show, man. Dude, no, no other game has still to this day been able to perfect the the TV cam, right? The the uh, sideways, dude. You, you are absolutely else, Madden, right. Madden is straightforward. You're all playing everything. The old yep. days, Tecmo Bowl, it was like I can play sideways, and this actually works. No, it no game great. has been able to do that. Bo, Bo Jackson in Tecmo or Michael Vick in Madden, what 04, I think it was, whatever 02, maybe. Who, who are you taking, Matt, Madden, weapons. Madden, Vic, or Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile? I'm Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile, no doubt about it. First overall, first round grade, the blue chip of all blue chippers in video games. That is the he was. You could literally start at your own goal line, go all the way down to your opponent's goal line, come all the way back to your goal line. You could literally gain about 400 yards on one carry with him. It was it was, it was truly uh, fun times. I miss the ambulance. Onto the field every time. <laughs> if you have a sprained ankle, ambulance comes onto the field Amazing. every time. I love it. Amazing. Well, listen, we can talk. Uh, we can talk nostalgia. We could talk uh, uh, video games all night long. But we're here to talk quarterbacks, man. We got to start where the NFL starts, uh, where the sport itself starts right now when it comes to team building and being successful. And obviously, uh, I see you're you're rocking the hoodie there. You're going to do some shameless uh, plug there for uh, for your merchandise there at Bears Talk, but. Uh, uh, we are we are of one mind, you and I, when it comes to uh, the Justin Fields hype train. We've been on that for quite some time now, but I really I want to kind of pull back a little bit on that draft class because anytime you have five quarterbacks in the top fifteen picks, all of those players' careers are going to be intertwined, right? The, all of those narratives that we're seeing even before the draft and now a couple of years later, those things are all going to be intertwined. We're going to talk about comparing those guys to each other for the rest of their careers, however long or short those may be. So now that we're getting kind of the, to the end of the second season of those careers, let's try to restack that group, right? What, what, how would you rank those guys? I feel like we have to start with Trey Lance because where, where do we put Trey Lance? Do we even give him any sort of grade at this point? He's sat his entire rookie year, basically. Now he's out for most of his second season. I feel like we almost have to throw him out, don't you? I mean, it's kind of weird how this has worked out because Trey Lance right now as we get to the end of his second season is kind of still the Trey Lance that he was at North Dakota state when he only started how many games and missed right. the COVID year and played one COVID game. Remember that it was just, I mean, he barely had a resume of college production one great season um, of college production before he entered the league and was kind of this great unknown, unbelievably blessed with his physical traits, but in terms of really feeling comfortable and confident about your scouting report with Trey Lance, and he was a buyer beware prospect. Now it's too early to say whether or not he's a bust. He has just had, you know, first year he sat behind Garoppolo this year. He breaks his ankle. He's out for the season. It's tough to, to look at that pick though, Luke, and say the 49ers are happy. They traded all those first rounders for him, especially when they see what Justin Fields is doing right now in Chicago, which we'll touch on in a minute. And what, uh, Mac Jones has even done uh, up to this point over his first two years as a starter, you know, that kind of production, even if they had Mac Jones to kind of replace Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't, don't they have like, Mac Jones and Brock Purdy right now? <laughs> I, I guess you could say they do. Right. I mean, and that's, that's the that, beauty. That might make him feel worse though. That's true. I mean, that's the beauty of the NFL draft though. Right. I mean, the Brock Purdy's are, are always lurking in the shadows somewhere and they could turn a average or below average draft class into a hall of fame general manager career if you if you hit on a guy like Brock Purdy but 
Trey Lance, I think, is exactly where I would have projected he'd be right now. Still, even if he was playing, even if he was on the field, not injured, and and starting for the 49ers, I think the ups and downs would be about even for him, and we still wouldn't know exactly who he is moving into 2023. So if, so if we pull him out, I feel like the the there are two tiers with these guys, and obviously you joked in my uh, direct messages earlier today about how you would stack those tiers, but I feel like there's there's a, a good section and a bad section, and I feel like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson obviously are in the bad section. I feel like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are in the good section. Taking the, the, the lackluster performances we've seen so far, if you were to compare Zach Wilson to Mac Jones, what are the differences there? Has Mac Jones been that much better than him, even though he's still the starter in New England? What has been the difference that has separated those two guys? And then collectively, why are they nowhere near you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields where they're at? Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's even a comparison right now between Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Mac Jones is a guy who probably could hang around and have a Kirk Cousins-like career in the league. He underwhelms you with his physical traits, but when it's all said and done, you look at the end-of-season box score, maybe he's around that 4,000-plus yard mark. His team is over 500, more than it's not, and he's just a pretty good, above-average NFL starter, which those guys are hard to find, and when you have one, you usually keep him around for a long time, whereas Zach Wilson, I don't know, man. He's got he's got those you know pre-brilliant comeback last week, for Baker Mayfield, he kind of has those Baker vibes where he's a little arrogant. Maybe his uh, personal opinion of himself is a lot higher than his actual physical traits and ability on the field. And that creates a combustible, that's a combustible recipe where you have a guy who thinks they're better than they are and doesn't have the self-awareness to take the blame, to shoulder the blame. We saw that that's what essentially ended his starting run in New York was his inability to accept his own role in the in the very, very poor output in the Jets passing game. So I think Mac Jones has it upstairs. Zach Wilson doesn't. Zach Wilson might be more physically gifted, but Luke, we've seen plenty of physically gifted quarterbacks wash out of the league real quick. It's the guys who have the mental makeup who can survive longer, even if their physical traits aren't necessarily as overflowing. I just think Mac Jones has a very low ceiling. And by low ceiling, like, you know, I don't know what you would value Kirk Cousins at, but we'll say that's about as good as it could get for Mac Jones, where Zach Wilson could very well be a, in the XFL or USFL two years from now. See, I'm going I'm to take your, your bait on Baker Mayfield here because you were adamant going into that draft that you kind of were worried about that with Baker Mayfield coming out in his draft, right? And so now that you kind of see on the back end of, of his process that he's gone through with the, with the Browns and then with Carolina and now – Obviously, one game after what twenty minutes of of game planning with the uh, with the Rams. Do you see that type of road being the kind of thing that maybe Zach Wilson will have to go through if he's going to stick? Right, he's going to have to go through some adversity and prove that he can kind of bounce back and humble himself maybe a little bit before he can stick around in the league. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, and and I'm not even ready to say that Baker Mayfield is there where he's humbled himself right. and he's ready. I mean, that was essentially what happened when he was replaced by Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. He in Carolina, it didn't click. And, yep. you know, Baker Mayfield is your prototypical playground quarterback. You know, what he did with the Rams is exactly what Baker Mayfield can do. He's probably, he probably would have a 10-year career as one of the top backup quarterbacks, bring him in, injury replacement. He's only got to play two games or two quarters for you, and he can produce. But the minute you start putting the weight of a franchise on his shoulders, 
The mental makeup just isn't there. And I think Zach Wilson is in that bucket of quarterbacks more so than the Mac Jones bucket of leadership that an NFL team requires. I think we're going to see Zach Wilson be very similar to what Mitch Trubisky has undergone the last couple of years where Chicago gave up on him and then he ends up in Buffalo as a backup and then gets a chance to start in Pittsburgh and gets beat out by a first round rookie because I mean he just isn't good enough. And I think unfortunately for Jets fans, Zach Wilson, I mean, if you look at what he's put on tape in his first maybe year and a half, I don't know how many games he's actually started, but he just doesn't look like he can hang in the NFL. He doesn't even look like he looks like a, a third stringer trying to make the team in the preseason. I mean, he just doesn't have any of those moments where you say, oh, wow, I get it. I see why he was the second pick. I get it. Wow, that was a wow Patrick Mahomes. Throw. I mean, you remember, Luke, it was crazy. During the pre-draft process, he was getting Patrick Mahomes comps. And he certainly had his glory days at BYU. But what a lot of draft analysts said back then, which is proving to be true now, is there was some level of competition concerns. He was basically never under pressure at BYU. His offensive line protected him well. And it was, again, almost like playground football there. So he he doesn't seem to me to be a guy that that could even – I just don't even see him being in the lead that long. I know it's crazy. But I don't think he makes it through one contract with the Jets. And I'd be stunned if he gets any kind of, you know, second act somewhere else as a starter. He'll have to be a backup for, for in my opinion, if I'm projecting what, what I've right. seen Zay, from Zach Wilson now, he's an NFL backup at best. Now, if you remember, and this isn't the first time it's happened, it's not the last time it's happened, but there was a there was a throw at Zach Wilson's pro day, right? There was It was like the highlight that went all around and he – rolls out and makes this throw that I guess is like the new throw that every quarterback has to do at their pro day, right? Do you, do you actually buy the idea that that one moment like that, even in such a controlled environment, a scripted pro day workout with your college receivers where everything is meticulously planned out to make you look great, do you buy the idea that even in that atmosphere, one throw like that can actually impact NFL decision makers? Like they actually look at that and look past all of that context and say, wow, I just I just got to have that guy because of that moment. Do you think that actually happens? I, I think, Luke, you know, I don't think there's much separating guys who actually make decisions for real in front offices from draft analysts, draft Twitter, whatever you want to describe it, where when you get into those February, March, and April months where you have combine and pro days, and even before that, maybe the all-star games, everybody's looking for that one piece of information, that one kernel, for confirmation bias. Everybody who loved Zach Wilson will let that throw be the defining moment of the pre-draft process. The see, right. I told you so moment because they want that confirmation bias. It happens when a guy runs a four two nine, or has the best week of practices at the senior bowl or makes one scripted throw against air that yeah, sure. It's a great, unbelievable act of passing a football, but it does not do anything to change a player's evaluation if the evaluation is based off of film and other general, you know, well-founded principles of talent evaluation. But, you know, if the Jets were high on Zach Wilson and they saw that throw, it's only going to confirm, whoa, this is a C, we told you so. They're all going to be toasting each other in the press box because right. now he looks like the next coming of Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, remember Johnny Manziel's pro day? That was a phenomenal pro day. I mean, he came out with the with the smoked out visor and he was just 
slinging it all over the field. And, you know, he ended up being a first round washout as well. So these pro days, that's a very, very slippery slope. They're often fool's gold. And we've seen, remember Kyle Bowler dating myself here, but he was one of the first guys on one knee to launch at 50 yards. And that put him in the first round. Remember? So these, this is, these pro day throws are as old as the draft processes itself. And unfortunately I think people just want to confirm their opinion and any and by any means uh, necessary and that's a perfect example of it it is it is and and yeah i mean we've talked about the guys who haven't maybe lived up to expectations right i think mac jones you could maybe say maybe he was deserving of the 15th overall pick because again the, the position's so important that even to have like you said a quality starter even somewhere above above average even just a little bit maybe that's worth the 15th pick i i don't know um but there are two guys that I feel like have separated themselves. And one guy, I feel like it, it was obvious going into the draft that these two guys would be that, right? It wasn't that case. It, that wasn't the case on draft weekend, right? It didn't play out that way. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went number one, just like we knew he would when he played against you know Alabama in the playoffs as a freshman, right? We knew that he was destined for that. Uh, he ended up going wire to wire as that guy, which is hard to do. That doesn't happen a lot where you kind of see a guy emerge and you're like, wow, he's going to be the number one pick. And it actually happens. He did that. I feel like, you know, his rookie year, there were some bumps and bruises. There were some turnovers. I feel like now this season, we're finally starting to see who he can become. How do you feel about Trevor Lawrence? What you've seen, particularly this year compared to last year? And what do you think that means for his development moving forward? Because I, I know the mystery is out of the bag. You don't have him as the best quarterback out of this class. So we'll talk about him next. What what are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence? I mean, are we surprised by this? I mean, right? Like Trevor Lawrence has been crowned this guy since he stepped foot on campus. I mean, he is exact. He is playing exactly the way everyone predicted he would play. Mel Kuyper, the godfather of draft analysts said it was the highest quarterback rate. I think he ever gave higher than John Elway that, you know, for as much as people want to poke fun at Mel Kuyper, I mean, that is important, right? This is a guy who you have to respect wisdom of people who have been doing it for years. And this is an inherent process. This process is an inherent, you know, inherently involves failure, right? So you're going to be wrong right. a bunch of times, but when you've been doing it for 40 years and you give a guy the highest grade you've ever given a quarterback, it's just, you know, puts context behind, what Trevor Lawrence's expectations were. And of course, when you start your career in an organization that has just urban Meyer chaos all around you, how, how could anybody be successful in that environment, let alone a rookie quarterback playing for a team that was clearly in the very first year of a massive overhaul in terms of talent and, and just coaching and just philosophy and culture. First half of this season, maybe, you know, again, a little bit of a turbulent start, but now we're seeing Trevor Lawrence be exactly who Jacksonville and every team that scouted him last year thought he would be. The franchise, absolute QB1, no doubt about it. This guy is going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars a perennial playoff contender for years and years, just like Peyton Manning did with the Colts. Peyton Manning, people forget, set the rookie interception, set the NFL interception record as a rookie, only to come back in in his second year in 1999 and then lived on for the rest of football lore to be the guy who was one of the greatest to ever play the game. Will Trevor Lawrence reach those heights? I'm not going to rule it out. He's that good. And we're just seeing it now. He's starting. The numbers are starting to match his talent. 
Um, and what we're realizing here, Luke, is that people just need to be patient. They need to calm down a little bit. Let's stop rushing to judgment. You know, people were ready to give up on Jalen Hurts because he didn't come out of the gates as this incredible quarterback, a second-round pick, and he's an MVP candidate this year, right? Yep. Trevor Lawrence last year, everybody was saying Mac Jones was better than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that narrative has disappeared faster than a summer thunderstorm. So to me, this is – this should give every analyst who covers the game, who covers the draft – who does these rookie reviews and second-year review like report card reviews, like slow down, Let especially a quarterback, let these guys mature, give them at least two seasons, two full seasons as a starter, or in the case of Zach Wilson, if there's an egregious, obvious, clearly this guy doesn't have it, series of events right. that unfold, yeah, you can you could put your neck on the line and make an opinion. But Trevor Lawrence is who we thought he was, man. You loved him. I loved him as a prospect. I don't know if any analyst didn't love him. Anybody who said that Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to be good was just being a contrarian. I mean, he's a generational quarterback prospect, and we're just seeing the start of this. He's only just beginning. I feel like I feel like it was that drive against Baltimore, right? I feel like that was the moment where you're like, he's arriving now. Like that's, you know, game on the line. You're playing against a pretty good team. In Baltimore, you're doing it in front of your home crowd, and you need to make multiple fourth down conversions, right? Multiple tight window throws. Obviously, you need your guys to make plays, but he's showing the confidence in his receivers to make plays with the game on the line. He's not gun shy in the pocket, and he makes all of those throws. Even the two-point conversion got back on his back foot and just let it rip, even though the receiver was pretty much covered and put the ball in a perfect spot. I feel like that drive was his coming-of-age moment. Like that, that was the moment we saw him become the guy in the NFL that we all projected him to be. And and I think we're going to look back at moments like that and just even last week coming back a week after what looked like could have been a season ending or even career altering injury the way he was bent That's over like thought, a pretzel. Man. That's what I the thought guy's when back, I saw throws, it, I was what? like it's over. He's what throws for 360 yards and a couple touchdowns. I mean, he's going to be that dude. I mean, fantasy football if he's on your dynasty squad, you're set for the next 15 years. I think what I loved most about him from Sunday is his reaction to the the kneel down at the end. Did you see that? I did not. Where the okay, so the Titans they they try to push the pile right on the light the last kneel down and like got up in his face and pushed the guys back into his face and he gets out in front of the offensive lineman and he's jawing at the Titans. He's up in their face. He's pointing at the scoreboard. He's saying, you know, we just whooped your ass. You can get up in my face all you want to. Look at the scoreboard. That's the kind of stuff that I think, especially as an offensive lineman, you look behind you and you're like, yeah, that's my guy. And I'll tell you, I was over the summer, my, my family, we went to the Bahamas. We were at a hotel resort and we're there and I'm looking around and it was like maybe two weeks before NFL training camps were going to kick off. And I'm looking around. I'm like, you know, I, it's like John Fox is over here. And I saw another familiar face in the league. I'm like, wow, I guess this is like a destination where maybe some, some of these guys come before the season starts. Right. And then I look over at where I walk through the casino and I look over at one of the uh, blackjack table or something. And I'm like, that's Trevor Lawrence and all his Jaguar skill player teammates were there. And I'm like, all right, I, I you know how, it, you know, I've been around professional athletes quite a bit. You want to let right. them live their life. You don't want to be starstruck around these guys. But I had my two sons with me and they're football fans. And yeah, like, it's oh a different God, it's Trevor Lawrence. And I'm like, you know, we have to I, I can't leave this place right now. And not at least try to get a picture with my kids for Trevor. Hey, with it Trevor didn't Lawrence. stop the 49ers players from doing it to Tom Brady on Sunday after the game. So if they can do it, <laughs> right. I feel like you can do it. 
So I went right up to him, tapped him on the back. I'm like, Trevor, big fan. My sons are huge fans. Would you mind just taking a picture with him? He jumped right up. Oh, man, no problem. Let's grab. Put his arms around him. Took I have all these pictures with my sons of Trevor Lawrence. He was talking with them. Just super cool guy. You could tell he gets it. And then I realized, oh, man, what did I just start? Because behind me was oh, no. probably a line of 10 people, maybe more. <laughs> and you know what? That dude did not sit back down. He stand, He was took pictures with everybody. Class act. Absolute. You could see how. He is what you want as the face of a franchise. Not only is he unbelievably physically gifted, but he gets it, right? I mean, he's a young guy, too, and he totally gets it. He could have been a total jerk. I'm like, man, I'm on vacation now. I'm not doing pictures. No, 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 no. He was right. all in. He was great. He was he was just a, a true class act. So I'm, I'm really happy that he's having he this kind of season. He called me right after that happened, and he was like, man, you're not going to believe this. This dude just interrupted my <laughs> blackjack game, and then like 80 other people lined up. I don't know who yeah. that guy was. But God, man, I hey, hate that guy. He told you got to get him on that. You should tell him to jump on that one football show. You know, <laughs> uh, T Trevor Lawrence does not call me. Just to be careful, uh, just to be be uh, completely clear about that. I'm sure he does not hate your guts. I'm sure. I, and again, you love to see that from somebody who has every reason to not do that, right? He's got every reason to be like, hey, you know, thanks, appreciate it, but no, I don't want to do that. Or hey, you know, I'm with my family, but you know, which again. That's that's they reserve their right to do that. And we, and I'm obviously cool with that, too. So it is cool when they they decide to take time and 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 do that, especially for the kids. That's fantastic, man. But I feel like we put it off long enough. The number one quarterback from this draft class. And again, I'll, I'll let you have your moment. But my my big board that year was Trevor Lawrence at one Kyle Pitts at number two and and Justin Fields at number three. And I mm -hmm. thought three was low. Because if there's not Kyle Pitts in that draft, right, a ridiculous all-world athlete at, at tight end slash wide receiver, a weapon that just doesn't come along very often, Justin Fields is easily the number two prospect in that class. And I feel like if there's any other draft that doesn't have Trevor Lawrence in it, Justin Fields is the, the easy slam dunk, number one overall pick franchise quarterback. So to, Well, I will say this on behalf of all Chicago Bears fans, probably coast to coast. We're all very happy Kyle Pitts was in that draft. Because if he wasn't, Justin Fields would probably be an Atlanta Falcon and not a Chicago Bear, right? See, and for whatever I would, I would believe that, but how many other teams passed on Fields in the same uh, division as the fact that the Panthers didn't take him, the De Denver didn't take him, the Giants shouldn't have traded with y'all. They should have stayed there and hey, taken listen, him themselves. What are they doing? We've seen this in recent history. How many teams passed on Josh Allen? How many teams passed in that same draft on Lamar Jackson? Right. That seems like the most Jaylen talented Hurts at this point. Right. Exactly. I think the guys that are a little polarizing, the guys that maybe come in as raw passers, even though I don't think Justin Fields was a raw passer. No. Um, you know, NFL teams, I think they still tend to err on the side of how polished of a passer are you? And if you can run on top of that, great. But they still are old school with the pocket passer mentality. And I think that's obviously starting to change because of what you see happening around the league. You have the best team in the NFC is, is led by a quarterback who entered the league as a mobile quarterback, not a passer first in Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen entered the league as a great athlete with a howitzer of an arm, but unpolished. I think he had, what, 53% completion percentage or something yep. like that his last year uh, at Wyoming. So NFL teams still, I think, are afraid of the guy that they're not sure if he can actually throw the ball. But the reality is Justin Fields was never that guy, dude. He wasn't. He, 
That's what he was the number one quarterback in high school. He was dominant in college at Ohio State on the highest level, made incredible throws on all three levels of the field. Not to mention he was one of the best athletes that we've seen at the position since a guy like Lamar Jackson and maybe before that, Michael Vick. So what the fact that he kept sliding in the first round, because I was right there with you, Luke. I had uh, Justin Fields right up there with Trevor Lawrence. I did have Trevor Lawrence as the number one quarterback and player yep, in the draft, but Justin Fields was my number two quarterback that year. When he was sliding, Trey Lance, and, and, and there was rumors about Mac Jones being the 49ers pick, and I just couldn't believe it. And then when you see the Carolina Panthers and even the New York Giants, I know they had Daniel Jones just a couple of years earlier, but the Giants traded out of this pick that ended up being um, Justin Fields. Imagine that Giants team right now with that coaching staff, what they were able to do with with, with Josh Allen, having Justin Fields. Um, so for Bears fans who have gone essentially lifetimes, yeah. literally, without a franchise quarterback, over at BearsTalk.com, you can grab the Chosen One hoodie or T-shirt because he literally is the Chosen One. Uh, he has become the savior of football in Chicago. And I think it's we have not even begun to see what he's capable of because he's essentially spent half of the season thrown to Luke Easterling and Brian Perez. And now he finally has a guy like Chase Claypool, who this year's a wash. He's not going to get any real. We're not going to get any real returns from Chase Claypool until next year when he has a full offseason in the system. Darnell Mooney's now hurt. Um, And Darnell Mooney is probably more of a wide receiver two than a true wide receiver one. So Justin Fields is just getting started for him. And look, it's not a fluke to be 76 yards per game is all he needs to break Lamar Jackson's single season rushing record for a quarterback. And I mean, he's been averaging like 135 rushing yards a game over the last four weeks. This dude is, is a freak. He's something different. And what's incredible is the arm and the passing game is starting to catch up with the legs. And that to me is when things get really dangerous. And, you know, when you, when I, when we joked in that direct message in terms of tearing that rookie class, who's one, who's two, who's three, I think Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence at this point are probably tied, right? They're probably right where we thought they would both be. Trevor Lawrence is putting up bigger numbers through the air. Justin Fields is putting up bigger numbers on the ground. Trevor Lawrence has some better wide receivers that he's throwing to. Yep. It's, it's going to be, I would love to see those two guys have that, like, uh, like how Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are developing their little rivalry in terms of yearly mm-hmm. duos. And Tom Brady was up against Peyton Manning. I would love if the NFL could somehow figure out a way for, to get uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields to, to go head to head on a regular basis. I know it's tough with scheduling, but that would be fun to see those two guys battle throughout their careers. I think that the most infuriating thing to me, you mentioned it was, going into that draft and feeling like like you had watched a completely different player than every other person who was talking about Justin Fields because they were talking about him as if he had no film to prove he could make plays from the pocket consistently whatsoever. And I feel like there's this backwards, I don't know if it's unconscious, I don't know if it's what, where if you see a quarterback who can beat you with his legs when he wants to, you assume there's just some automatic switch that goes on in your head that means, oh, because he can't do he can do that. He can't beat me with his arm as much. And I feel like you had to ignore so much evidence on tape, especially that last season at Ohio State, 
and we talk about this all the time, right? You don't want to put too much into one game, right? You don't want to put, you know, you don't want to go too high. You don't want to go too low. If, if one game kind of sways your, your, your scouting report one way or the other, right? You're not going to pick a guy based on one game, but how, if you could have tailored a quarterback performance to, to want to show NFL teams, how about in the college football playoff? How about against Clemson against Brent Venables and one of the best defenses in the country? How about you you break a rib or two, however, whatever that injury was that he sustained about halfway through that game in the second quarter, and then you come back in the second half and you drop six touchdown passes through the air on that defense in the playoffs, and you're telling me that's that's a guy that that can't check the pocket passer box for you? And I just don't like this is a an evaluation problem that I see in in so many in just the industry in general where the athleticism and the running ability is not viewed as a, as a addition, as added value. It's almost viewed as a detriment. Like you think, Oh, because he, he can run. That means he's lesser of a passer. Now there's an argument to be had and we could bring Trey Lance back into this about the durability and whether or not that, you know, and Justin Fields has gotten banged up a little bit this season too, but that's its own conversation, but don't come and tell me that because a guy is athletic and because you see him making plays with his arms, you're going to ignore six touchdown passes against Clemson in the playoffs and all the things that Justin Fields did on a consistent basis to win from the pocket. And honestly, Lamar Jackson did a lot more of that than he got credit for that last year at Louisville as well. I mean, it's just, it's infuriating to me because I feel like we're watching two different players. And, and I think what you're saying is hundred percent accurate. I, I feel like, the honest evaluator who was breaking down Justin Fields as a quarterback prospect saw a guy who could do everything that's required of a quarterback in the NFL from an arm talent standpoint. And he brought a nuclear arsenal of weaponry with his legs. So when you could do everything an NFL quarterback is required to do as a passer, and you could do things that are rare with your legs as a runner, to me that pushes you into a rare category of quarterback. And the upside is almost... Limitless. And what I thought was funny was coming into this last year's draft, Justin Fields now during his second season, but coming into this last year's draft, you have two Ohio State wide receivers. Chris Olave was deemed all oh, the best route runner. And, and you know, I, I, I love Chris Olave. You know what I think of Chris Olave. I think he's, an, he's like another Stefan Diggs type player in the league. Yep. But when they're showing his highlight package on draft weekend and whatnot, he's making all these great routes and catching dimes from Justin Fields two years ago as, you know, a, a, perfectly thrown passes when Chris Olave at that time when Justin Fields came out in 21 everyone thought Chris Olave was going to come out he was it was a surprise that he went back to school for his final season because of such right. a great year he had from Chris o, from Justin Fields there was some speculation the Bears would try to trade back into the first round to reconnect Chris Olave and Justin Fields if you're going to showcase all these routes that Olave is running and these perfectly thrown balls that he's catching and taking to the house the guy on the other end of it for a good portion of those throws was Justin Fields, but he was never talked about that way the year earlier. Um, and even some of Garrett Wilson's highlights came from the right arm of Justin Fields. So I, I think, I mean, there are probably, and this is for another day and another time, there's probably some deeply rooted reasons why guys like Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, don't get the credit of looking the part of the traditional quarterback. And as a result, they get knocked for it. There is absolutely no reason in the world that a guy like Mac Jones should have been in the same territory 
of draft prospect as Justin Fields. Um, the fact that Zach Wilson, who had one and a half good years at BYU, was the second pick instead of a guy like Justin Fields, who was QB one since his high school days in Georgia, has literally dominated every level of competition he's ever played against, including the highest level of college football at Ohio State, to think that that guy was not going to be able to do it in the NFL and push a kid like Zach Wilson all the way up to the number two pick, whose resume was far less impressive. I don't know. Some guys, I guess, look the traditional part. Some guys don't. That's up for a debate on. It's over my pay grade. But I will just say this. Um, hopefully the NFL is learning these lessons and hopefully they learn it as fast as possible because there will be another Jalen Hurts. There will be another Justin Fields. There will be another Lamar Jackson. Quarterbacks are going to look a lot more like those guys than the players that the league and the history of the league is used to. Um, and the league is so much better for it. It's a very good thing. The league is so much more exciting. The league is so much more fun. Um, and I think when you look at how dynamic offenses have become because the most special athletes are now given a chance to play quarterback, yep. these guys who bring high-level intelligence, high-level decision-making, high-level arm talent, elite athleticism with their legs, they're now playing quarterback, finally. And look at what we're seeing, right? The results speak for themselves. So Justin Fields fell. The Bears and the city of Chicago benefited, and I'm hoping the guy can stay healthy and he can continue to develop year over year because if he does, I mean, he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory after his first year as a full starter in Chicago. I know people are going to hit my Twitter DMs up and say, you are out of your mind, Homer fan, Homer fan. Do it. Stay Everybody go do it. You go want. Blow his Twitter up. Tell him. Luke. Justin Fields became the first quarterback in 70 years to have three touchdown runs of over 50 yards. And he did it in five weeks. He was the first guy in a quarterback's career to have 50 yard runs or more for touchdowns in the last 70 years. He did it in five games. So I'm sorry. That's not a, that's, that's when things like that start happening, that haven't happened for 70 years, somebody's different, right? He's a different dude. And I think when you start talking about a guy being different, you start projecting, right? If he stays healthy and they put some weapons around him and he keeps doing what he's doing now and you project that out 10 years, special stuff, man. Special stuff, special stuff. And you know what, Brian, you and I have, have experienced some really special stuff uh, when we go to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Is that is that uh, is that an accurate way to describe some of the experiences that uh, that you and I have, you and I have had uh, at the Senior Bowl? Well, I, I think that's accurate. Special is a good way of putting it, but I think the more uh, accurate description is what we actually call it when we're down there. When we go to Mobile, we actually say we've entered the Upside Down, the Stranger Things Upside Down. It's true. And, uh, that is what we call it. That, that it's like a you know, it becomes almost like an alternate reality for all great reasons, of course. But it becomes like an alternate reality. And along with that, we have we have some stories. We have a lot of stories that uh, really have inspired this next segment that we're going to have on this show. Uh, because and and we could we there's probably what ten eight to ten stories off the top of our heads that we could talk about Easy. about our experiences there. But we're going to kick off with a with a good one, right? We're gonna we're gonna continue this segment throughout the show. 
we're going to have other people on to talk about some stories and, and share some other ones. But uh, let's uh, let's kick off the very first story time here on that one football show with with one of my favorites from Mobile. So uh, let's do it. Let's do story. I love the 8-bit. I love the 8-bit. Amazing, dude. It's, I can listen dude, to it I'm, all day. I'm, I'm immediately eight years old with a square mm-hmm. controller in my hand or even like Commodore 64 with the actual like Amazing. joystick and you're, you're loading the floppy disks that are like this big. That's Best beautiful. era. Best That's era. It. it is. It's true. It's true. But seriously, Brian, when we, when we think about, if we were to make like a top five stories, it would be a tough cut. It'd be a tough cut to make mm-hmm. in terms of what we've experienced. We're going to tell a story that we like to call Killer Cab Santa. And and if that just sounds ridiculous to you, I promise that uh, the experience of it was uh, it was it was like that. It was like that. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Like this is uh, we called a cab and we regretted it very quickly, didn't we? Well, I mean, this is one of those stories that it's hard to kind of track the beginning, middle, and end because uh, to this day, to this day, it still is a combination of pure comedy and horror, right? Yeah. Uh, long, super long story short. We had to catch a cab from our hotel to um, the weigh-ins. I think it was the weigh-ins, right? right? Was it? No, the no, no. It was at night. It was night. So, so, so down in Mobile, our hotel that we stay at, we found like a little gem of a hotel, right? That's like not super expensive, and it's about what ten minutes from downtown, like a quick cab right into downtown. So, so if you go to practice during the day, and then you go back to with a hotel or whatever, and you get your work done, and you write up your, you know, notes from the practices or whatever. Uh, you've had more barbecue than any human being should ever have. We've got so many stories. We got to tell the Reggie McKenzie story at some point. Ooh, we might I mean, not. We might not have permission to tell that one. We might not. Well, I mean, I'll have the person on yeah, 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 yeah. who yeah, exactly, experienced exactly. it, and I will let that person tell the story. Um, <laughs> I can't. I, was, I can't unsee that. I can't that, unsee that. No, it's unbelievable. That was. I'm that sure might Reggie, be number I'm one. I'm sure Reggie McKenzie can't unsee it either, and that's the whole point. I mean, that might that, that might be number one. <laughs> it's so good. So anyway, so so you get your work done and then eventually everybody ends up back downtown, right? Everybody hits, you know, a couple of different bars, a couple of different places to eat. Um so that's what you do, right? You know you're going to be, you know, probably having a couple beers while you're down there, so you catch a cab down, you catch an Uber back, whatever. So that's what we've we've done it a, a bunch of times, right? So we call we call the cab and the cab gets there and and who who picks us up? First of all, it was a van, by the way. Do you remember this? It was a van, a giant van that picked us up. What? Who? Who picked us up, Brian? So the the and it's it's fitting this time of year. Um, we get in the van, and first thing we notice, it's a jolly, perfect mall style Santa Claus. I mean, yes. when you talk about a guy, he didn't have the just, red suit, but like I think he had like, like overalls or something. Like definitely, definitely. Santa. I mean, when you talk about that whole like scouting term and getting off the bus on the hoof, looks the part. Yes. This guy was mall Santa. First round grade, possibly blue chipper. Put him in a red suit. He's got he's got the gig. And the wonderful part about this cab driver was he was so friendly and nice when we got in the cab and we're driving. And he's you know you can notice at least when I was speaking, I'm not from the area. Kind of like small talk. And then you know the ride was like like you said, Luke, about ten minutes or maybe a little bit longer than that. So the conversation transitioned to him telling us about his family. Right. He's got a beautiful little granddaughter and how he actually like played the part of Santa for whatever Girl Scouts or something she was doing and rode his motorcycle to this thing and whatever. It's wonderful. Just a heartwarming cab ride. It felt blessed to be 
with this guy. <laughs> and for one reason or another, I still like the 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 it this is where it gets fuzzy. Okay. The, the conversation shifted to it, it did. It did. And we will leave some of the specifics out. But the conversation shifted to uh, you know, Uber started to kind of become a relevant real thing where Uber yep. was impacting cab drivers and, and the business of, you know, being a taxi cab driver. And now you have Uber kind of competing for rides and whatnot. And he started talking about how you got to be really careful when you pick up people because you never know what could happen. And he has a camera in his know. cab and talked about somebody who I think ended up having a problem with an Uber driver down there. And, and then the concept of like violent crime became the talking point. Now, mind you, this shifted from seeing pictures of his granddaughter, which, which, by the way, I need to point out, he was showing his pictures while driving, and so this yeah, is yeah, already yeah. even even the heart. There were some early red flags. There were you some and early I were starting flags. to look at each other like, I think we might have like this. Yeah. We should have waited for the next one because we were already like trying to be really nice but also be like hey could you please keep your eyes like on the road it was at night i think it was probably like yeah. kind of wet outside because it had been raining that year like that's cool and all flags. but like maybe show us at a red light or like maybe right. have, like just just tell us we'll just we'll believe you it's fine so we like you said early red flags that we should have known it but we could not have possibly possibly understood how much worse <laughs> this was going to get so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you Luke talk tell okay. the grand finale okay. because I don't know how much of the story this is that one football show this is your production <laughs> I don't want to get you kicked off of YouTube with uh, the details that I would probably explain so here is all I will say is this this is what happened is like you said he was telling us he was regaling us with all of these different examples and these anecdotes about this has happened. And then this happened. And then this one time, this one person was doing this and like clearly trying to convey that, like, it's a dangerous job, right? It's a, it's a job where you have to be careful and, and you never know what's going to happen. You always have to be aware and, and try to be as safe as you can. And then I swear to you, like he, he paused at the end of like telling us a bunch of these stories, like trying to get us. And I don't know if maybe he just didn't think we, we understood the gravity of what he was trying to understand. That, like we didn't appreciate what he was going through and the, the toughness of that job because he, paused. This was, he, 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 this was his Zach Wilson pro day throw. This it was, it up. was, he uncorked this one. He paused and you and I were already feeling the vibe, right? You are already mm -hmm. exchanged a few glances. We're like, this is the weirdest cab ride like ever. And that's including the lady who showed up to pick us up asleep. Right. Remember that? That <laughs> was a right. different story. I remember, I remember. We got I out to the cab that. and the woman in the cab was asleep, like asleep. <laughs> We knocked we on took the, the window cab anyway, which which is really stupid. But anyway, so so he gets to this part of the story where there's a pause, and you and I kind of looked at each other like, "Wow, this is really weird." He pauses for effect, and then again, straight, just looking straight ahead, not looking at us at all, in the most calm, deadpan voice I've ever heard someone say these words. The words come out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, I killed a man once. And that is as silent as it was right after he said that, because then the look you and I exchanged was a much different look uh, because we were still about 10, 12 blocks from, from Veets, the bar we were headed to that, that, uh, that evening where everybody kind of congregates. And it became, then it became like, wow, this is weird too. We might not get home. 
And that's a little bit of a different emotion at that point. So I, again, he, he did go into detail uh, about the situation and obviously, you know, tried to diffuse the weight of that by saying that obviously it was a situation where he was in the right um, and was being defensive in the situation. But I, I don't know, all of that kind of pales in comparison to that one moment, Brian, where you and I exchanged that, that look in that taxi van with a Santa Claus who had just admitted to us that he had killed someone. It's, it's, you know, there's that new movie coming out. What is it called? Violent night or something with the yes. guy. With the, yes. right. Every David time Harbor. that commercial comes on, every time that trailer comes on, I say to myself, you know what? We were with the OG violent Santa Claus. Yeah. Right. It could we have been a violent night for us. It was, but it close. was, it was, it felt for a minute when he transitioned into kind of confessing that he was a, you know, committed this violent crime. It almost felt like like I could hear the Keith Morrison narrator voice from, you know, t- from uh, <laughs> Dateline and like two innocent guys just going right. I felt like it was it about was to take a like turn. Any until the <laughs> right, right. I felt like it was about to take that turn because it's like he set it up slowly, built up, built up. And then it was like, oh, it's it. We're, we are going to meet our maker. They thought here they in- had the perfect cab driver. Yeah, right. Then tragedy struck. But uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, the, the, uh, you know, every year around this time, I want to go back to the Senior Bowl. And I was there last year. You weren't down there, Luke, but I went last year. And um, I think one of the best things about the Senior Bowl and Jim Nagy and his whole crew deserves the biggest hat tip and shout out for what the, the job they do down there. It really is an incredible, not only for the football junkie, the draft junkie, the the, the draft analyst, the person who wants to get into talent evaluation. It's the ultimate destination. It's like Disneyland for football fans. Right. It's also a great place to bring tra- draft Twitter to like reality, to actually meet people, to network. <laughs> uh, I can't ex- tell you the number of opportunities that I have had open up for me because of conversations at Beats oh, yeah. over a couple of oh, years. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody's listening to this or watching this, who's wanting to break into the business and, and wants to say, how do I get started? You know, number one, Get active on Twitter, regardless of what you think of the politics of it or the ownership of it now or whatever. Just drown out all that noise. Get active on draft Twitter and football Twitter. You know, show, launch your own independent website. That's what Luke and I did years ago. Yep, that's what, um, yeah. You know, and, and then build a little bit of a following and get to the senior bowl. Get a, get down there. Go have a couple beers at Beats and you will meet people and opportunities will come from that especially if you know what you're doing and you, and you kind of carry yourself well, because look, there's a lot of strange birds out there too, right? There's a lot of, we were down there, Luke, and we were looking around. We're like, you know, if, if you got that, your stuff together, if you're a guy or gal in this business and you got your stuff together and you can carry yourself well, you'll go very far in it because the competition, there, there are some people out there that have even, that even have gigs that maybe are a little underqualified for them. So uh, the senior bowl, Jim Nagy, like I said, what he does down there, creating an open opportunity like, you know, he credentials a lot of individuals, even yep. if you have a standalone website and you don't think that your website is big enough to get a credential, the senior bowl is one we of did. those. We did. <laughs> exactly. The senior bowl is one of those events where you can actually break in. You could become a credentialed member of the media. And, and that matters. It matters to be able to put on your about us page. It matters on your resume that you covered a live event that you went, uh, to, to, uh, to press conferences or whatever, when the yep, players right. speak, just getting used to the etiquette, getting night. used to doing yeah. the work. 
So kudos to Jim Nagy. And honestly, at night, the stories are great. You know, whoever's the been there Listen, knows. The, the senior bowl, I think to me, after going for like two or three years, I started to realize that it was like a theme park for mm -hmm. NFL people. Like it was yeah. like a retreat, like a weird, because if you've ever been to a, an NFL game or anything like that, the NFL is a, a, a completely secure entity, right? Like there's, there's the players over there and they're doing their thing and the owners and whoever, and then the fans are over here. And, and obviously there's some interaction here and there, but when, when there's an NFL event happening, there's usually some distance, you know, between most of the people who's going, when you go to Mobile, Alabama, the last week in January, Every single person that has anything to do with the NFL, with the ex exception of maybe the commissioner, I don't know that he goes, but that whole week, Brian, you've been there so many times with me. Everyone is there. Everyone well, Luke, I'll, I'll jump in a quick little side story. I remember a night, the morning after a long night at Beats, a couple beers, you know, you got to get up early to go to the practice. Stomach's not yep. feeling too great. There's a little pharmacy on the main drag down there. And I go in. Yes, there like, I love I gotta, this. This is great. I got to get some antacids or something, man. My my stomach just is not feeling right. You've all been there. If you've gone out drinking late, get up early, you know the deal. So I'm in the aisle looking for it's this little like hole in the wall pharmacy. And I'm like, like stuff's all over the shelves. I just want to Pepto, just chug some Pepto or some antacids. I'm looking. And I see like the section where the stuff is. And I put my hand out to grab it. <laughs> and there's another hand literally going for like the same bottle of Pepto. I'm like, uh, yeah. you know, I look over. Yeah. It's Dan Marino. Yes, it is. I mean, maybe he had the shits too. <laughs> I don't know. He's going to grab a bottle of Pepto. And I'm looking over. I'm like, me and Dan Marino are the only two people in this place. Dan Marino. And I know right now that this man's having some stomach trouble because we're both trying to grab some Pepto-Bismol at the exact same time. Hey, and I'm like, you, you, know only, you only and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in that yeah. moment. You're on the same list as yes. Dan Marino in that moment. I had the same life as him. We were in the same reality. Our <laughs> world, literally. No different whatsoever. <laughs> we had the exact same life experience. And you know what? That can only happen at the Senior Bowl. That, it's so else. true, man. There's only no the way. There's no way. And there's literally, there's so many of those moments just right off the top of my head that I'm, that, that's what I mean. Like, and the, the Senior Bowl does a great job with fans. There's always a bunch of fans there and they're autographing stuff and everything. There's, because again, all the decision makers, the general managers, the scouts, the, you know, there's so many people that are there. And it is just such a fun experience, even from a fan perspective to be there. But if you're, if you're anywhere, adjacent to this business and you want to get involved with this like brian said it's just such a great place to go and and get your feet wet a little bit you know get get used to being around all of those different people in in, in the league because the access the level of access during that event is just second to none if you look at everybody who's basically dominating draft twitter and even football media right now all the guys at the draft network a, a whole bunch of editors in the in the usa today wire network Yep. Uh, you just go down the list of pro football focus has a bunch of guys, writers who are essentially driving the conversation outside of obviously the ESPN and NFL.com guys, the player, the, the, the names that are driving the conversation all started by going to the senior bowl with some, yeah, we were, we were all at the same table at, at dreamland barbecues 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of came up in a golden era loop. We were very fortunate when we Truly. got involved because if you really do look around at some of our contemporaries, it's pretty amazing 
the journey that a lot of these guys and gals have gone on because we were all in the same place around the same time. Yep. And what's great now is some of those people are decision makers at digital properties who can hire the next wave of people like them and yep. um, get down to Mobile, get down there. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it this year, Luke. I know we've talked off air yeah, a bunch of know, times man. about it, but uh, you know, it's it's usually like a last minute booking. Like, you know what? The right. urge to get down there, the itch comes later and later, it seems like. But I just uh, I just need to be sitting on cold bleachers with a hot chocolate in like 40 degree I'm rain, you, watching like offensive tackle one-on-ones against pass rushers. I just gotta have it. I put honestly, I think more about Veets when it's all done, just sitting there for the beer, just bullshit BSing having a good laugh and uh that makes it all worth it man that makes it all worth it there is nothing better than i was man see there's just so many stories i gotta be careful i'm just gonna drop all the great senior blood we'll tell the matt rule story some other time right yeah, we'll tell the bruce the, arians the, the beats matt wrote yep bruce arians gonna go to the break great so just basically keep coming back to the show keep coming back for story time because we will continue i'll just have to have brian on cyclically because we'll just every time we'll have to just bring about another uh, another story or two what we found in the trunk that one time in the rental well, car. That I mean, yeah. 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 Listen, There's you're so gonna push. Many, you're right? gonna push this to a two-hour show. If we keep true, and we gotta stop. We gotta break it down. Hey, but wait, what? What a way to kick this off, man! Again, n- nobody I'd rather have to kick this thing off. I'm excited about it. Again, I said it at the top. You know, there's so many, so much great content out there. And one thing I was, I was telling somebody this just the other day. One of the things I love about the experience that I've had working in this business is that so many of those peers that we kind of came up with at the same time and so many of the people that are creating content now, there's just such a lack of, of adversarial you know, activity going on where I think there's so many of us that realize NFL fans love to talk about this stuff. They love to watch these things. They love to read. And there's no reason for, to, to bicker about who's doing what or whatever. Read all of it. Share all of it. Pump your friend's stuff up and, and put it out there and tell people to go read it and direct them to, to what's going on. And I feel like it, there's, there's very much an attitude that, that wants to, that wants people to do that. There's the people who are putting out the content aren't trying to, you know, we technically, are we trying to compete for those clicks and those eyeballs? I mean, sure we are, but we're not the, the personality of, of a lot of the people that are doing that. I feels like it's, it's much, it's kind, it's very welcoming. It's like, Hey, we're all just at the end of the day. We all just love this game, right? That's why we're here again. The world doesn't need another football show. But we love talking about this stuff. It's it's a fun way to for you and I to get on here on a on a Tuesday night. We're recording this and just have a good time and talk about old times, talk about new times, talk about what's going on in the league. And I can't wait to have other people on this show and, and hear their perspectives. Again, I'm gonna be shooting for the moon and and making sure that I get people on this show that, that are gonna teach me something uh and have experienced so many things within within this sport that we all love. But that's that's really all it is, man. It's an excuse to get on here and, and have a good time. And uh, we hope anybody who's here watching this is, is going to have a good time with us. We got a lot of fun plans for it. Um, but Brian, thanks so much for uh, for helping me kick it off, man. This was a blast. Hey, Luke, I'll always be your first, man. Hey, this is it, man. We had a good time. <laughs> I love I love your setup, man. I love the Bears helmet. I love Appreciate the lights. It, man. You got, you're looking great back there. You got you got to rep the Bears, man. Everybody out there, just head over to BearsTalk.com. That's where all my work is now. I spent a lot of time, as Luke mentioned earlier, doing uh, – Bears work for USA Today. Then I went over to NBC Sports Chicago and covered the Bears for them and had a brief stint at the Draft Network doing Bears work for them. And then I said to myself, you know what? I'm done doing Bears work for other people. It's time to do Bears work for my own digital property. So BearsTalk.com was launched. 
so super excited about its growth. So follow on Twitter at the Bears Talk. Bears Talk also selling some swag. You can get some uh, some fun Bears gear there. Um, Luke, I appreciate you having me on, man. Anytime you want to talk Justin Fields, you know I can I can I'm ready to roll. Hey, I got to do it, man. I got to do it. You got to head over to BearsTalk.com. You got to check it out. Buy yourself a hoodie. Buy yourself a beanie. Whatever you whatever you want to get. They got stuff. It's going to be so fun if you're a Bears fan, if you're a draft fan, you love those players. You got to do it. But uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up. First episode is in, in the can, man. This was, this was a lot of fun. Can't wait to have you back. Can't wait to talk about more stories. But, uh, but thanks for hanging out, Brian. Thanks for having me, Luke. That's going to do it. That's, uh, that's that one football show. That is one football show booked done we got it done can't wait to show you guys the next one uh but thanks so much for for sharing this hour with us and going through these stories again if you want to see my work it's at draftwire.usatoday.com buckswire.usatoday.com follow us on twitter brian at brian perez nfl myself at luke easterling and thanks so much for hanging out with us we'll see you